This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Yidikar, where we are dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's sermons and talks, just the good stuff. We hope you'll enjoy. Thank you for your support. Shabbat shalom, and, 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 and a big mazel tov to Zachary, who did an amazing job today. Um, bar mitzvah is like, it's such an, it's such an important market, time marker, you know, such an important marker in time, and, it, and it's an incredibly joyous one. Um, I'm, I'm also, as Rabbi Panet said, I'm also marking time in the Jewish calendar um, today. This is, this is actually the second time since I started here at Ikar, that I've had the, the privilege, it's really a privilege, um, to be able to speak on a Shabbat that, that, that was also a day when I had Yortzeit for, for my father, my father, Stephen Kasher, um, Yeshua Avram Yosef Ben David, and, uh, and I hope that today's learning will contribute to the elevation of his, of his soul. Um, it was in the process, actually, of, of mourning my father that I, I, I came to feel, for the first time, as many mourners do, the, the power of Jewish time. There's the, there's the shiva, right, the seven days when we just sit in our house and, and just, just sit in our grief. And then there are the, the successive periods of mourning, the shloshim, the 30 days, when the mourning is somewhat loosened but still very present. And then there's an entire year of, of mourning, the shana, um, when we continue to say the Kaddish. These, um, these markers, if anyone has ever either experienced them personally or just attended to the suffering of others, these markers prove to be some of the deepest wisdom that our tradition offers. Because uh, without them, what, what would we do with death? I remember when, when my father died, I remember talking to a, a friend of mine who was, was from India, and he said, what you're doing is a good thing. You know, I, I don't understand Americans. You know, they go back to work the next day. You know, in, in my village in India, when, when someone's parent died, they would, they, would, they would be in their house for months, just sit there, and everybody understood, and people would bring them food. What would we do? What would we do without these markers? We would be adrift in our, in our grief, adrift in time. These customs, these, these marking points, they, they hold our grief, and then they, they slowly bring us back into the world. And, and that takes a full year. That takes a full year. And then there is the Yartzeit, this, this day of observance that once a year, this portal that we have to step back into, step back in and, and check in with our loss. There are various practices on the, on the yurt site, various laws and customs for observing a yurt site. There's, there's Kaddish, we say Kaddish again on the yurt site, do a whole year of it, but then check in and, and say Kaddish again. Um, there, uh, there's there's the, the lighting of the Nir Neshama, the candle. Some people fast on, on the yurt site, there, some people feast on the yurt site, uh, different ways to celebrate. Uh, we come from a Hasidic tradition, so we have a big meal. Um, and, some, and, 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 and people give tzedakah often, give, give money in, in honor, in memory of, of the departed. Um, I have a custom of learning one volume of Mishnah uh, in depth. The Mishnah is the first kind of great code of the rabbis put together in the, in the, in the second century. 
And, um, and there's the custom to learn, it's, it's common to learn Mishnah um, in memory of, of the departed because the word Mishnah is made up of the same letters as the word Nishama, which is the word for soul. So we learn Mishnah, it doesn't really matter what the topic, the topic often has nothing to do with it, but we learn Mishnah because there's some sort of configuration of letters that we think is, is connected to the soul, has elevated the soul. But it's been 22 years since my father, my father died, and the 22nd volume of the Mishnah is Moed Katan, and that's actually one of the primary sources for our mourning laws. Um, Moed Katan is, is generally about the festival days, not the days that are not holidays, but part of the holiday. We have this during Passover and Sukkot because they are week-long festivals, but only the first and last days are actual observances in the way that we observe Shabbat. So what do you do in the middle? Is that a, is that a holiday or not? Well, the, the, the answer is that it's still a Moed. It is still a holiday, but it's uh, somewhat less. It's Katan. Right, so do we, do we observe this as a holiday? Do we refrain from work? Somewhat, says the Mishnah. And the general principle there is no, don't do any work if you can avoid it on the whole week of Passover and the whole week of Sukkot, except what you need to do to prevent great, great loss, great financial loss. So the first example that the Mishnah gives is you can water your plants. You can, irrigation is permitted during Cholamoed, but not you can't plow, you can't dig trenches, you can't do real work, but you can do what it takes to make sure that the plants don't die during the mode. So that's, that's an example. So the Mishnah goes on explaining what you can do, what you can't do, and then in the last chapter towards the end, we suddenly come upon some of these laws for mourning. And the introduction to those laws is quite startling. Hakoveret meto shloshayamim kodem leregel. Someone who, who buries their dead just three days before the holiday, shiva. then the shiva is canceled. Okay, they've been observing shiva for three days and it just stops. The holiday comes in and cancels their shiva and the shiva is over. This is still true, this is still the way we practice it. In fact, we're even, we're even more strict with the entrance of the holiday now. Even if you observe Shiva for just an hour, even if you observe Shiva for just a minute, the holiday comes in and ends the Shiva. And the principle, as the Mishnah goes on, seems to be that the holiday has, is a communal celebration. And we simply can't, we all have to be together celebrating, we simply can't be running around to different people's shivas and funerals, and that, that's work that would, if we, if we were attending to, to it, would distract us from the holiday. So you get to end shiva early. You, you get to end shiva early, but, but I'll tell you, my, my experience is that most mourners who have been in this situation don't want to end shiva early. Right? Most experience th this, this as a bad law, a bad thing, robbing them of their container for grief. Right? They, they can't be happy on the holiday anyway. They, they're in their grief. They need to mourn. And then, the Mishnah continues, this law becomes especially strange because this whole thing, this whole holiday coming and ending the Shiva, this isn't true for Shabbat. This isn't true Shabbat. After all, every Shiva, Shiva is seven days, every Shiva has a Shabbat. 
right? So the Mishnah says, Shabbat olah ve'ena mafseket. Shabbat is part of the count of the Shiva. It's part of the days of mourning. It doesn't interrupt. Regalim mafsikin ve'enan olim. But the holidays, they come in and they are not part of the Shiva and they just end it. So now we have two strange features of Jewish time. We have the personal mourning needing to make way for communal celebration. But then Shabbat, the holiest of all days, is a part of the week of mourning. So do we mourn on Shabbat then? No, not exactly. We, we get up from Shiva, we leave the house, we participate in the communal celebration of Shabbat, but we are still in mourning. Now, how, how do we do that? Well, the, 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 gen, the general principle, the law, is that we, we abstain from avilucha b'farhesia. We abstain from practices of mourning that are, that are public. So we don't wear our ripped clothing. We put on a, 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 nice, a nice outfit for Shabbat, and we go, we go to shul. We leave our house. But we still observe, observe avilucha b'tzina'ah. We still observe our private mourning. So we've put on a nice suit, but we haven't taken a bath. And we abstain from um, intimacy, even though it's Shabbat. And we don't study Torah, even though it's Shabbat. And we don't get an aliyah when we're in our Shiva, even though it's Shabbat. And here we are celebrating with the community. So we continue to mourn privately, but we don't express our mourning publicly. Now, come on. I mean, it was bad enough that my grief could be truncated. But now you want me to pretend, to keep up a good face, to act like I'm okay? How can a wisdom, a supposed wisdom tradition asks that of us? And yet, on some level, that is exactly what we will have to do, all of us, with our grief eventually. Hopefully. Hopefully, eventually, we will leave the house. We will go back to work. We will learn to participate in other people's joy. But the morning doesn't end. Because guess what? It never ends. It never ends. A ask someone you know who has lost someone. You, you, never, you never get over it. But you learn to contain it, to hold it, but to hold it a little bit off to the side as you begin to live again as you return to care for your family again, as you carry out your public duties again. And the Shabbat of Shiva begins to teach us how to do that. Right? We talk a lot in this community about holding both joy and sorrow at once. But that's complicated work. How do we do that? How do we do that? Shabbat begins to teach us how to do that. I remember, actually, the Shabbat of, of my shiva. I went to shul, and uh, I sat in my father's seat, and I was wearing a nice suit, and I kept it together until the Torah reading. And then I just started bawling, just ba sobbing, like, you know, what do they say, ugly cry? Like, it was, I mean, it was a scene. And just sobbing and heaving and... And they continued with the service and 
And then the service ended, and the, and the rabbi called me over, Rabbi Meisels, Rabbi Zalman Meisels. He, he was a regal, a regal man, um, but we didn't have much of a relationship because he, he, he didn't speak English, he spoke only Yiddish. But that day he called me over and he summoned some of, you know, the little English he had, and he said, he just said this, today is Shabbos. That's all he said, today is Shabbos. And on some level, he was saying, you got to keep it together, right? Which sounds kind of insensitive. And yet, I felt comforted. I felt comforted because he was saying, I get it. I get it. I, I know. We know what you're going through. Today is Shabbos, and we're asking you to, to try to hold it together a little bit, but we get it. We understand. And I was comforted. Where did he get this wisdom from? Where does this idea come from? Well, of course, it comes from this week's Parsha. It comes from this week's Parsha. This week's Parsha, which also contains in it a, tra a tragedy, a terrible loss. Um, it is the great inauguration day. Aaron and his family are being inaugurated as, as the priests, and they offer a sacrifice, and God comes down, and it's glorious, and then, for reasons we've never fully understood, two of his sons, they get something wrong. They bring some kind, of, some kind of strange sacrifice, and a fire comes down and consumes them. They die right there on Inauguration Day. And Moses, who is not a great comforter in general, right? Moses, uh, Moses asks uh, some of the family to carry the bodies out. And then he says this, Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, his remaining sons, Elazar and Itamar, he says, Don't let your hair out, right? I guess they were in turban, so don't let your hair out in accordance with the practices of mourning. In fact, this is one of the sources from which we learn those practices of mourning, that we don't cut our hair, that we don't attend to our hair. Roshechem altifro uvigdechem lo tifromu. And don't tear your clothes. That's the classic, that's the classic mourning, uh, going all the way back to the, to, the, to the most ancient stories we have of mourning, ripping clothes. Don't do that. You can't do that because today is Inauguration Day. You've got to keep it together. You've got to keep it together. We, we, we need you to, this is, a, this is a big moment. We are becoming a people and we need you to lead the charge. So you've got to keep it together. You can't do what we would normally expect you to do right now, which is to start mourning. You've got to keep it together. Okay, that's the first half of the verse. But then Moses continues, and Moses says, V'acheichem kol beit Yisrael yifku et asher saraf Hashem. And all of your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, they will cry, they will cry over the great conflagration that God has wrought. We'll be crying. The whole people, we know what happened. And we are crying for you. We will mourn for you. You got to keep it together right now, but we are hurting for you. We know what you are going through. We get it and we get how hard it is. And that equation, that, that sort of, you try to come into the space of joy and we will hold a place for your sorrow, that is a formulation that we see again and again and again throughout Jewish tradition. 
right? Most famously, probably in the Jewish wedding at the breaking of the glass, this most joyous of occasions, and yet, right before it ends, we hold one space for the destruction of the temple, for all of the brokenness in the world, for all of the sorrow that is in the room right now, and I'm sure that there is sorrow in the room right now. I have some, and I know that there are some out there. But today is Shabbos. Today is Shabbos. And on Shabbos, we have little spaces to hold your sorrow. Friday night, after, after we sing Lechadori, after we've welcomed in the, sh the, 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 the Shabbat, then we welcome in the mourners. We welcome in the mourners, but, and, and, and there is a, there's an acknowledgement, and they come into the room, and we acknowledge them, and we acknowledge their sorrow. And then we bring them into Shabbat. And we do this when we, when we pause in the midst of our joyous singing for the mourner's Kaddish. And we even do it when we pray for healing. We say, Shabbat himilizok. Shabbat is not a time when we want to be thinking about what we need, about the healing that we need. Shabbat, we should be content, but we can't stop ourselves. We know that people in our community are suffering. And we have to cry out for just a second, for just a second. Right? We hold these little spaces for sorrow in the midst of our joy so that those who are in sorrow can hold some space for our communal joy. That's Jewish wisdom. That's, that's the wisdom that I inherited from my father. My father uh, is the one who inducted me into the wisdom of Jewish time. And my observance of Jewish time has connected me to all of you. And I need you to observe my sorrow. I need you to, to say Kaddish. I need you to hear this Torah that I studied in honor of my father. I need you to get back to life. So today is Shabbos, and I am happy. Today is Zach's Bar Mitzvah, and I am happy. And today is also my father's Yortzeit. And you all, just now, have held some space for my sorrow. And I thank you for that. And I, and, I, and I think my father would thank you for that as well. Shabbat shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you maybe even in person sometime soon.